For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's Romans chapter 6, verse 23. This is the Essential Bible Studies Podcast. My name is Tim Young. And I'm Rob Alexander. Hi, Rob. Glad to have you here again. Yes. We've got a very important topic to talk about, sin. What is sin? And we've got lined up for us five biblical passages that defined sin for us. But I guess, Rob, if you went out in the world today and walked the streets and asked somebody what sin is, you get probably a lot of different answers, maybe some obvious ones. Well, that's the problem, certainly in the day in which we live today. I mean, a hundred years ago, I think people had a much clearer idea of what sin was. They could define it more clearly. Uh-huh. I think, like you said, if you go out into the world today and you say, well, what is sin? There's some obvious ones that everybody would recognize. I mean, obviously, it's sinful to murder. You shouldn't kill anyone. Yeah. Um, when it comes to stealing, I think for the most part. People would sort of accept that as a relatively that's wrong. Yeah, that's you know, a wrong yeah. thing to do. But then when you get into these other issues like covetousness, idol worship, infidelity, gluttony, these are all things that- Would anger be one too? <laughs> anger might be one too. Yeah. Well, I think what struck me though, when we were thinking about what is sin, my mind went back to, I mean, I go to conferences and some of these conferences are held in a city that labels itself as Sin City. Ah, And yet, it's not a place where you're warned about with sin. It's a city that says, come on and enjoy sin. And, uh, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And so, really, You're talking about Las Vegas, the city Las in, Vegas, in Nevada. Yeah. Maybe uh, some people in the world never heard of it, but like it's well, pretty, not, yes. pretty prominent yeah, here I, in North America as, very much so. as a capital that promotes a sinful lifestyle. But, huh? And I think that's the thing. I mean, Las Vegas, Nevada is a city name. Probably wouldn't be neither here nor there, but you know, to rename your city and to invite people. I mean, this is come here to sin rather than learn to avoid it. Um, yeah. So it, it, I think I remember it, I don't watch TV that often, but for some reason I was I was watching TV once an ad came on for Las Vegas, and the whole premise is what happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. Right. And it was really promoting kind of like you can get you can away do, with all sorts of things. You can get away with it. And I thought, wow, yeah. but God is everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. really shocked me. But And I've been to Las Vegas and I tell you, the place gives me the creeps. I yes. Know. Yes. You don't stray too far from your hotel room sometimes. <laughs> you have to try to find a place to eat. Although that doesn't seem to be a problem. There's usually a buffet in every hotel. But again, it just disrupts our understanding of what sin is. And I think that fundamentally is sort of the issue of today is because sin is a very important thing to be aware of and there's consequences to sin. But you now have a society and you have a sort of a thinking that wants to either diminish the consequence of sin so it becomes sort of irrelevant or immaterial or to the point where it's no longer sin. What was sin a few decades ago was no longer sin today. Yeah, redefining it. Redefining fact, it. Like society is somehow deciding what is right or wrong. Right. And as Bible readers, I guess, we're really trying to figure out what does the Bible say? Because God's going to define sin, right? It is one of the key topics of the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Yes. Is this overcoming of sin that has corrupted the world from God's ways. Right. Ultimately, that's what's important is to go back to who defines sin. Is it going to be 
society in general that wants to right. redefine it and change it on an ongoing basis or is sin something that was very clearly defined? And that's where the Bible is very clear in terms of what sin is, what the consequences of sin are, and consequences that we can see in the world today. I mean, that's the other thing is we can see what happens when sin abounds, as it were. It is important that as we live our lives and we're trying to live our lives in a godly fashion, we're trying to pattern our lives of what the Word of God has to say, that really it's critical that we do understand what sin is and how it's defined and how it affects how we live our lives and ultimately it affects our very life. It's a life and death decision in terms of our understanding and knowledge of, of what sin is. Yeah, ultimately that's the consequence yeah. of sin, isn't it? Is death. Yeah, and that was the opening reading that you said, the wages of sin is death. So I think the purpose of going through these verses then is to try to sort of really kind of establish some foundation ideas in terms of what God has said and how we can apply that. When I went through these verses, just kind of really broadened it out for me that we're really not just talking about acts of things you do, but it's it's really a mental attitude as well. And I think that kind of shocks some people like we were talking about while well, stealing and murder, when you commit those acts, it's a sin. But is it a sin when you think about those things? And that's, an, that's another yes. question, right? And that comes out in yes. scripture. So. Yes. Yeah. Lord Jesus uh, Christ challenge. Yeah. So you know, if you even think of those things. Right. So let's get into the verses. We've got five. Yep. Got a countdown going on here. The first one, number five, I mean, they're not in chronological order. So. Chronological or, yeah, order of <laughs> it's importance. More of a thematic, but, yeah. thematic development. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thematic. Yeah. Yeah, I kept toying around with the different orders here, but this is the one we came up with. Yeah. This first one is actually one of the ones I think of off the top of my head all the time. It's in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. Yeah. And this is where my mind goes too. When we think of the subject of sin, it says, reading from the ESV, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. In the King James Version, it basically says that sin is the transgression of the law. And it's sort of, yeah. it carries along the same idea that there is a law. When this was written, it was the Mosaic law that was in place. And God went to great effort through the inspired writings to lay out and illustrate what was sin. And, and more importantly, what was righteousness and what was unrighteousness. And so you had this establishment of the law. But what you have here is somebody that practices sinning, someone that practices lawlessness. In other words, they know and understand. They know what the right and wrong things are to do, and yet they decide to pursue sinning. They practice sinning. They live their life as if without law. Well, and that's right. No yeah. Law. They practice lawlessness because it's one and the same thing. If you don't want to acknowledge what God has laid down in his word, then yeah, you're without law. You're lawless. You know, mm -hmm. and it's sort of the Wild West that is out there. And again, that's what Scripture is really establishing first and foremost, that the perspective, the prism by which we look at our lives is that God determines what is righteous and unrighteous. God determines what is sin and what is not sin. And it's not for us to then pick and choose or redefine or modify, but to, I think this is where the five verses come in, is to challenge us to think about what the implications of that are really what God is telling us about sin and, and what it is. Right. This really brings out this idea too, you said the, the knowledge of the law, but even if you don't know the law, but there, there is a law, right? It's kind of like if you got caught for speeding and you said, officer, I didn't know that I was speeding, really he, he would still give you a ticket, right? <laughs> yeah. God has established these laws and whether you know them or not, you're still violating these laws. So 
There's a lot of yep. people in life, they're nice people and everything, but if they don't know what God is expecting of them, would they be living or practicing that lawlessness because they're not seeking after the things of God's Word? Right. And I think what that speaks to is we, by our very nature, tend to want to pursue a certain way of life. Yeah. When we don't have that perspective of the law, then it will lead us to lawlessness without any kind of constraints. And I think what you're also pointing out is that there is this aspect of living our life without the law still ultimately would cause us to sin, certainly from God's eyes and from God's perspective. When he looks down upon us and looks at mankind and looks at everything that's going on in the world, he's looking at it from his perspective of righteousness and sees you know, rampant unrighteousness. Yeah, that probably brings us to our second verse. This is a verse number four on our list, and it's in the same epistle. It's in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 17. Again, these are kind of all verses that say this is sin or sin is this. I think we're going to find they all say similar things, but they all have their different little nuances in how they're saying it. So, Well, this is where we can dig a little deeper because there's always sort of a very sort of broad strokes way of looking at something. But I think we are enriched when we start to peel back the layers and start to look mm-hmm. a little deeper in terms of and what these verses do is, like you say, they ultimately say very much the same thing, but they start to give us additional insights. So you want to read that? Do you want to yeah, read it in context, like verse 16 and 17? I mean, verse 17 is the one we're looking at. Yes. Well, and it's good for context because this is verse 17 is one of those verses where the first part seems to be pretty clear, but then the second part can mm. maybe come across as being a little tricky and it little causes us to yeah. think a little bit deeper in, in terms of it. But in uh, 1 John 5, verse 16, I'm going to read from the King James. If any man sees his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. And this verse 17, all unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. Hmm. <laughs> Head scratcher there. What's a sin yeah. not unto death? Well, this is one of those things where I think the context and what precedes it. For me, the anchor word for verse 17 is unrighteousness. So it, it yeah. really causes us to think about, well, unrighteousness is the opposite of righteousness. So we've already established that God is righteous. And so when you're unrighteous, you're rebelling against God's laws. You're refusing his righteousness and you're going to lead unrighteousness. And this comes down to, I think, this idea of responsibility. When we know what is the right thing to do and we don't do it, we do the opposite of it, then there's a consequences attached to it. But then you have those that do not have exposure to the gospel. They haven't yet heard the word of God. So there's an aspect of they'll still, by their very nature, be condemned to death. We're all dying. I haven't found anyone yet that's found a solution to avoid that. It right. seems to be a consequence that 100% of the population face. But when it comes to being accountable for our sin and being having to be judged for it, well, then you might say that there is a sin not unto death. But that was one take on it. I know <laughs> that you might have a, a, you had another perspective to add on to it. Yeah, you know, when you read this epistle— he seems to be very kind of broad or black and white in his definitions about those who practice lawlessness as being those who practice sin, and then those who are actually trying to follow God's ways as those who sin not, he says in other places, right? Well, 
we know that everybody sins. I mean, the scripture is very clear on that. Yeah, but what, exactly. I think what John really wants to bring out is back in chapter one, in verse nine, when he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And there's that all unrighteousness yeah. again, yeah, right? So all unrighteousness is sin, but we can be forgiven of it. And that's the beauty of it, as we see in Scripture, that if we confess our sins, he will forgive us of all of that. But yeah. what happens if we don't confess our sins? Well, that's a sin that leads unto death to me. That's really this kind of right. practicing lawlessness about knowing or, or not knowing and, and or not caring about knowing God's laws or those kind of things yeah. is a practice that leads to death. It's a sin unto death. Yeah. He's speaking really of your mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, like you yeah. like you noted, we all sin. You yes. know, whether we've been baptized into Christ or not, we will by our very nature we find ourselves sinning. So to say that we will ever be without sin is not right. But our mindset is is that we're trying not to. Our mindset is is yeah. you know, we're recognizing where we've gone wrong. John says if we confess our sins is really just that recognition that what I've done is sinful. And now I'm going to confess and ask for forgiveness and try better next time. Right. That's a mindset. And the alternative to that mindset is obviously not having that desire to want to confess our sins and to continue to live lawless, I guess, in spite of what we may or may not know about what God says. Right. So I think if anybody worries about that they've sinned a sin that's unto death— if you worry about it, you have not done it, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. It's like what I yeah. like to say, because you're confessing your sins and you're being forgiven of your sins. But if, if you have no concern for it, then watch out. That's right? true. Yeah. <laughs> if you come to the point where you actually acknowledge it, well, then you're already on the right track. You're, <laughs> you're on, on the right path. track. Yeah, yeah, you're on the right track. That's it's the... when you disregard it completely, which kind of goes back <laughs> to what we were saying at the very beginning. We live in a world that does want to do that, exactly that. Disregard it completely, diminish it, minimize it. But this is where Scripture is saying, hey, things happen. We just need to come around to confess our sins, acknowledge where we've gone wrong, and obviously commit to do better. Okay, so those are the two passages from 1 John that say sin is lawlessness, and then all unrighteousness is sin. Here's the third one. The third one is in Romans chapter 14 and verse 23. And this could be a real thinker too. Romans 14, verse 23. Let me just read that one for us. Yeah, I can read that. I'll read from the ESV this time. For whosoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatsoever does not proceed from faith is sin. Right. So whatsoever does not proceed from faith is sin. That's another... Head scratcher there, right? Yep. We had a podcast on what faith is. And I think that's really kind of where the key is. Absolutely. He said earlier in Romans, Romans chapter 10, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we can be certain about different things that might come in our life by based upon our, our knowledge and faith of the word of God of what is right and what is wrong. And in this passage and in the context of this passage, there is something that's doubtful, whether I should do this or that. And it really has to do with eating certain meats or eating herbs and those kind of things, which right. was 
a big concern back in the first century. And more so because they had these temples to idols. They would kill animals and then they would serve them in the markets and you could buy them there, you know? Yeah. And that still happens in the world today. So there's some people who will (laughs) have foods that are offered to idols offered to them. And then for conscience sake, what do they do? And so it's really about this doubting aspect. Whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. So if you have a situation where you're, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. Well, I think it's really showing us that you should be skeptical and kind of err on the side of not doing something if you doubt right. whether it's the if right thing to do. there's any question about right. whether you should or shouldn't. And there might be somebody else kind of pressuring you into it, like, come on, it's not that big right. of a deal, right? But overcoming your doubts about whether it's right or not is, I think, what Paul is saying here right, is, is right. a sin. Well, in some respects, you could say you've answered your question already, the fact you're doubting about whether or not you should do something. Right. Like you say, you're better to err on not doing it because right. you're probably right. Yeah. You know, very rarely would we doubt on the error of doing something, thinking that it might be wrong. It's probably not a not a good option. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so to me, it really gives us the sensitivity of our, our mindset that we should have towards sin, because sin is is upsetting God. It's not having faith in who he yeah. is and what he's shown us and being sure about the word and what he's given for us to do or not to do, right? Well, I think that middle section you referred to in that verse, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I mean, Mm. that's where study comes in. That's where the value of these podcasts come in, because we're really saying, you know, take the time to think and study and understand, because that helps develop our faith. We begin to really understand and have faith in what God is directing us to do, both through his promises, but also just in the pattern and direction of life. And so you have more confidence and more faith in the direction that God's given you. The more you hear it, the more you read it, the more you understand it. So there's that connection then to understanding what sin is. God has explained that clearly in his word. We now have a verse that says, if you don't proceed from faith, it's sin. Well, it's because we have this opportunity then to develop that understanding by hearing the word of God and developing that strength of faith. And again, none of this guarantees that we won't ever fail But if we have that conviction of how we want to live our lives, the perspective of how we want to make decisions and try to remove those doubts that we come across from time to time about whether something is right or wrong. Um, Maybe the first thing is to pray and the second one then is to read your Bible and see if you can find some direction from it. Oh, that's a really good point, Rob. I mean, just the aspect of prayer when you come to situations in life that are going to be challenging and not knowing which way to go because the Bible is not a rule book. It's a principle book. It's going to give us principles for things that we face in our life and and how are we going to apply that, right? Well, that was the challenge when Christ came. They wanted to make it a rule book. Look at certain yeah. verse and do a certain thing. Yeah, we have the that, law of you know, Moses. Yeah, do yeah this, exactly. Do that, you know, right? look at this section and this subsection, section eight. It's not that way. It's designed to be principle-based and yeah, know, and to be applicable to any number of different situations. Yeah, that's interesting you bring that up because when you read Matthew chapter 5 and the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus would say, you have heard from the law of Moses, right. thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whoever looks upon a woman to lust after her commits adultery in his heart. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's the they nail on the head right there. to apply the letter of the law and he's saying, no, here's the spirit of the here's law. Here's the spirit. This is, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this, this is the higher principle But if you fulfill this in your mind, you're going to fulfill the law. And it's a good law. It's good and just, and it gives us good things to live by. 
that maybe leads us to number four. Number four. If I'm yeah. counting right. Yeah. Are we counting down or are we counting up? I think yeah, I don't know. Oh, yes, that's right. Five, four, three, two. This is two. Yeah, two. Okay. <laughs> so this is an interesting one. This is in James chapter four, verse 17. And this actually approaches the issue of sin from a different perspective. It's mm. applicable just the same. It says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. So now we're talking about all the things that we know are the right things to do, but we choose not to do. We might coin that as sins of omission. Right. We focus on sins of commission, things that we know that we shouldn't do and we do them. Right, right. Now this is, you're in a situation where you know what the right thing is to do, and you choose not to do it. Mm. A small little situation uh, that comes into my mind, actually, is whenever the teller, of course, now we do everything by debit card, but there was a time where people would give you change back. <laughs> yeah. Right? You go and suddenly they've given you more than what they should have given you back. And you have that moment where you have to decide, what should I do? Right. <laughs> the right thing to do is you say, excuse me, you gave me an extra yes. $2 or something. Maybe not a hundred percent accurate or you know applicable, but it's these. We tend moments. to justify things, saying, "Oh, that's their fault. I got another two Well, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, they, they they can't do math. So, but it's the sins of omissions that God will also hold us accountable for. He expects us to do good. We look at the mm. Lord Jesus Christ, and that's part of what we see is someone that did good. Not so much that he was sinless and didn't do sin. That's one part of it, but it was that he also did good. He obeyed and did all that his father asked him, and he manifested God in his character by the things that he did, not so much the things he didn't do. So that's the challenge for us is when we know what the right thing is to do and we don't do it. Yeah, that really broadens it out because think of all the opportunities and things that, that I've missed in my life. It's interesting here in the context it starts in verse 13, where people say, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your mm. life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil." So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. So this is, again, the outlook on life, that we live our life saying, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to make money and right, do we that. Have all these and, big plans. Yep. And we have all these big plans. I heard this joke that says, how do you make God laugh? You tell him your plans. <laughs> and yeah. it really strikes home, right, because we do that in our lives. We just leave God out. but. There's a simple phrase, if the Lord wills. Yeah. And it's a lovely phrase if you tack it on to whatever you're planning to do and you say, if the right. Lord wills, this will happen. And you acknowledge yeah. God in your life. And that is not boasting. That's a, right. recognizing the hand of God, right? In there as well is how we decide to spend our time. Because that's really what that verse is also saying. It says, what is your life? It's, mm. a, it's a vapor yeah. that appears for a little time. It's, it's there and it's gone. So we act as if we're going to live forever. We act as if we've got all this time, like you say, to do all these plans. I'm going to do this. I'm right. going to do that. I'm going to build bigger barns, which is another parable. But really, we don't know what tomorrow brings. And so if the Lord wills. But it's, I guess where I was going with this is it's how we decide to spend our time is as much a decision about whether we're going to sin or not to sin. Are we going to take what time we have 
and try to apply it in service to our God, or are we going to take that time and apply it in service to ourselves? Very good. Okay, we got one more verse. This is the last verse. It's from Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. Number one or number five? This is number one. Number one, okay. And actually, technically, this isn't a sin is this or this is sin verse, but I think you can appreciate it. Yep. In all its clarity, because it is equalizing something here. And I'll just just read this verse. It just says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yep, powerful. Right. So sinning is falling short of the glory of God. And when we think of the glory of God, we've done a podcast on this. We're talking about the Mm -hmm. qualities of God. We're talking about his manifestation of mercy and truth. His right. long suffering, his, his mercy, and those kind of things. His character. And his character and, and what he's expecting of us as his creation, right? He's creating us to be like him and to be like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was a perfect manifestation of that. Of course, the Lord Jesus Christ never sinned. So he manifested God to the fullest. But we have all fallen short of that right. mark. And I, I meant to mention this in the last verse, but sin. In the Greek, it literally means to miss the mark, as if you were right. had a bow and arrow and you can see a target out there and you're trying to hit that mark in the center. But when we we sin, we miss the target, and so it's basically failing to do what you know you should do. But it's it's failing to achieve to that goal that God has set for us, and that's that goal is to manifest His qualities. Yeah. Well, this verse to me actually really puts a positive spin on the whole exercise of understanding sin and avoiding sin, because instead of it just being an exercise of avoidance, it gives us a purpose. The purpose of avoiding sin, the purpose of understanding Mm. sin and its consequences is so that we can better appreciate what it is to glorify God, what it is to manifest His character. I see that sort of as an aspect to this conversation, but it really gives it purpose rather than just don't sin because it's got some negative consequences to it, that God has instructed us through his word to identify what sin is, but in so much as that by avoiding it, by being more like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we can manifest his character in living a more godly life. Right. We can draw closer to him then in that relationship that he's... Right, right. And that's where you get this falling short, like you say, missing the mark. Well, you know, all of sin and fall short of it's then it's a question of just how far have we missed the mark? Yeah. You know, are we wildly out you know, yeah. wildly off target? Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, obviously we always like to be there, but we've already said that we do all suffer from being sinful. But at the same token, we're trying to not miss the mark as much as maybe we could if we lived lawless, if we did sins of omission and all those other things. But kind of works backwards and forth because the glory of God is also what sort of ultimately has defined the pattern of, of our lives. And when we have that, we might call it law, but when we have those principles laid out for us, that also helps define what sin is. And so therefore, all that have sinned fall short of the glory of God. So trying to explain it. I, it's one of those verses to me you can read backwards and forwards and it kind of gets you to the same place. <laughs> Very good. So there's our five verses that define sin in some way. And like I was saying before, they're all very similar. I think you can follow a flow of thought 
through there having to do with the law, lawlessness, and having to do with faith, having to do with falling short of the glory of God, and doing that which is right. So to me, when we read all of those verses, they really bring home the seriousness of sin, that it is something that we have to be very conscious of in our life, right? right. Because, I mean, what what's the big deal, Rob? <laughs> I guess yeah. a lot of people say, well, what's the big deal? Exactly, exactly. I mean, I, I'm not hurting anybody, right? In some way, I get angry or have hate in my heart. I'm not, I'm not hurting anybody, right? I think sometimes we can rationalize it, say, well, you know, whatever I'm doing, as long as it doesn't negatively affect or harm other people, then ultimately it like you say, what's the big deal? Right. But there's this other aspect of God's word, which is the gift of eternal life. Yeah. To me, the consequence of this is if we don't understand sin and its consequences, which lead under death, we also don't put ourselves in a position to achieve the free gift of eternal life. Right. So now it really is a life and death decision mm. in terms of a consequence of sin. Right. It's not just whether I harm my neighbor, but do I want to be in a position to enjoy eternal life in the kingdom to come, or do I want to reject that? Yeah, it's and, huge. Yeah. <laughs> it's huge yeah. that when you put it on yep. that level that God has created us for a purpose. And it's, it's an eternal the, purpose, yeah. It's an eternal purpose yep. to fulfill in us what he has planned for us. That is life or death, I guess. Well, and the contrast, just as we talked about, our life is a vapor, our life really in, mm. in terms of what we have in terms of our mortality and our life upon this planet is just insignificant. But God's saying, I've given an opportunity to understand me, to glorify me. And yes, although we sin and fall short, we can confess our sins and we can, in our minds and in our spiritual orientation, direct ourselves in a path that ultimately then leads to a point where it goes from a vapor to eternity, yep. an infinite amount of time yep. to live before God, our Creator. Well, Rob, I think we're out of time. But what? <laughs> <laughs> I know time flies when you're having fun. Oh, yeah. Gee, I had so much more. I <laughs> <laughs> hope you'll uh, stick around with me because I think we really have to go back. We have to talk about the origin of sin. I mean, there's so much we can yep. learn about how sin entered into the world. So next episode, we're going to tackle that subject. The fall of man in Genesis chapter Where this all started. All right. Thanks. Sounds good. If you like the podcast, please just take a little bit of time and rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you see stars. I love seeing stars, especially five stars. Little things like this can be a big boost for spreading these essential Bible studies. Our goal on the Essential Bible Studies podcast is to glorify God and to encourage others in their walk in Christ. Think about how you could use the podcast. It's really easy just to ask a friend or acquaintance, do you listen to podcasts, and hand them an Essential Bible Studies podcast business card. If you'd like to do this, then I'd like to send you one of our media kits to promote the podcast. Just get in contact with us at our website, www.essentialbiblestudies.org, or direct message us on Instagram or Facebook. Freely you have received, so freely give. The Essential Bible Studies podcast is brought to you by the Book Road Christadelphian Ecclesia, 
located in the countryside of lovely Ancaster, Ontario, Canada. Until next time, my dear friends, may God help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.